0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Morant with a running start. Elevates! Oh, it dunks! Oh, 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 my goodness! tie game in overtime. Gasol will turn. Gets into it on the floor with Randolph. Hard to tell if there are any punches being thrown under there, but Griffin took. Except Adams going long. Moran. Oh, he hit it. He hit it. He hit it. 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 John Moran. It's
1: seventy. You gotta be kidding me. Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. My name is Keith Parrish. The Grizzlies lost on Friday night to Dylan Brooks and the Houston Rockets. It was a storybook return for Dylan the villain. Dylan had... 26 points, hit a dagger three to put it away, even sealed the game further with a steal, and the Grizzlies dropped their fourth straight game. They lost their third game to the Rockets, and now they are once again licking their wounds and trying to regroup and figure out what can happen with the rest of the year and, of course, look forward to Ja Morant's return, which is just... One game away. On this episode, I'm going to mainly talk about the Dylan Brooks game. Also, going to talk about Ja Morant's media comments that he made on Friday in his first time talking with reporters since he got suspended for 25 games. Before I do all that, just a word from Underdog Fantasy. If you want to play fantasy sports for cash, you can do that at Underdog Fantasy. It's something I enjoy doing. It's been a fun part of the NBA and NFL season for me. If you use promo code FBBF when you sign up, Underdog Fantasy will match your opening deposit up to $100 unless you live in Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, or Alaska, and they will match that opening deposit up to $500. So if you want to give it a try, go ahead and use that promo code FBBF or click the link in this episode's description. All right. I highlighted how these matchups against the Rockets were going to be huge for the Grizzlies, where worst-case scenario, you had to get a split, but you had the opportunity of winning two games And cutting into the lead of a team ahead of you in the standings and one of the teams that you've circled is probably maybe one that you can catch once Ja Morant comes back. Well, that dream is no more as the Rockets won both games against the Grizzlies last week. The Rockets are now eight games Ahead of the Grizzlies and of course won the season series by winning their first three matchups. That means the Grizzlies are in effect nine games behind the Rockets. The odds of catching the Rockets are remote. And now you're stuck with a team that's six and 18 and excited about John Morant's return. But this was kind of the final nail in the coffin of maybe we can turn the season around. I mean, maybe you win eight of nine. You put together four or five straight in a row at some point. You can see where you're at. I think most people have circled, let's just get back to 500. But I mean, the Grizzlies are 12 games under 500. So uh, it's certainly feasible. They could go something like 32 and 20, you know, over the next however many games or whatever it needs to be in Jaws final 57 games. But these losses were especially painful, and I think for a franchise, for the front office, for the coaching staff, for the players, to lose like this, especially excruciating. I mean, the Grizzlies are 1-11 in at home, and the guy they told to go away, the guy they refused to engage with in free agency, Dylan Brooks, comes back into your house And scores 24 points in the second half. And wins the game. And you're now 0-3 against Dylan Brooks already this season. You're also 0-1 against Tyus Jones. You're 0-2 against Kyle Anderson. Haven't played DeAnthony Melton yet. The nature of being ahead. Of being ahead by 17 points. And... Seeing that lead evaporate, you're up by 10 at halftime. The 17-point lead was in the first quarter. This was the Rockets' biggest comeback of the season. This was the Grizzlies' biggest blown lead of the season. For the second straight game, you were down by one going into the fourth quarter. For the second straight game, you could not make three-pointers as a team, collectively. Terrible shooting numbers, sub-30% on your three-point attempts. For the second straight game, the Rockets got 15 offensive rebounds. They tied their season high for offensive rebounds in consecutive games against the Grizzlies. So you're getting punished on the glass. The Grizzlies in this Friday night game actually did a pretty good job on their own end doing some offensive rebounding, but you still did not defensive rebound good enough. You didn't make three-pointers, and you could not give Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain any help, and meanwhile, a pariah for your franchise returns and gets the huge win, and he's the conquering hero, and you know it meant a lot to these Grizzlies players. I mean, there was trash talking going on, not from Dylan Brooks. He didn't trash talk to the final shot went in. It seemed like he was mainly keeping his nose clean and not talking. Desmond Dane got a technical foul in the fourth quarter after forcing a turnover On Dylan Brooks. He said something to the effect of. You can't dribble. Got a technical foul. As a free point for the Rockets. We also got a delay of game penalty. In the fourth quarter. That was a technical foul. Uh, Two free points to the Rockets. In this close game. But this was a crushing. Demoralizing loss. Where you give up that big lead. And. And you have to deal with Dylan Brooks taking the victory from you. Dylan only had two points in the first half. It was one out of nine. Everything was going good. We were up 10. Dylan was struggling. Dylan made nine out of his final 11 shots. He even had seven rebounds. The 24 points Dylan scored in the second half, it's the second most points he's ever had in a half. The most points he's ever scored in a half was his 25-point second half in his rookie season at the end of the year in a game against the Bulls. You might remember it. Dylan Brooks went off, and that's still the highest-scoring half of his career. So this was the second-highest-scoring half of his entire career. This was tied for his season high in points with 26. He started getting it going when Zaire Williams was guarding him in the second half. Tough outing for Zaire Williams. Uh, Dylan seemed to be happy or to he relished the opportunity to go one-on-one a couple times against Zaire. Uh, got warmed up and then the rest is history. Now, there are a few kind of scapegoats I feel like for the Grizzlies. We've gotten tired of blaming the injuries. We blame, like Zaire, we blame Jake LaRavia, we blame the supporting cast, I like to blame David Roddy, like, yeah, that's all true, none of them had very good games, but I do think the coaching staff, they didn't necessarily want to lose this game in the exact same fashion they lost the game on Wednesday, they did make adjustments, so they didn't, you know, find themselves in the same predicament, they didn't work, but... They actually, I think they were shortening the rotation. I don't think Zaire Williams was going to play in this game until Derrick Rose gets hurt. Once Derrick Rose leaves with a hamstring injury, then Zaire Williams came in. He didn't play until there was five minutes left in the second quarter. And then he starts the second half. Taylor Jenkins was asked about it. He said they needed the extra playmaking. They needed an extra initiator. So, I think they had adjusted and were like, okay, we can't screw around. They did still play Jake LaRavia. I mean, they did give Jake LaRavia a look. Jake LaRavia's net rating for this season when he's on the court is minus 28. The Grizzlies, if you don't know, that means the Grizzlies get outscored by 28 points per 100 possessions when Jake LaRavia's on the court this year. It's been a disaster. The last two games that Jake LaRavia played games where the Houston Rockets got 30 total offensive rebounds. They got 13 of those offensive rebounds in Jake LaRavia's minutes. Poor Jake LaRavia got no rebounds in the last two games. I know rebounding is not all Jake's fault, but like, what are you doing out there, man? Doesn't make threes. Doesn't score. Doesn't get rebounds. I mean, I guess you could have highlighted a few moments where it seemed like he played decent perimeter defense. But, like, the decision, I think, to play Laravia and Zaire again definitely raised our eyebrows. We're like, why isn't Conchar playing? Like, Conchar's no great shakes, but at least we know what he is. He's a pretty decent rebounder. I thought the Conchar absence was noticeable, especially after giving up all the offensive rebounds on Wednesday night. My thought was, we just need offensive rebounds. We just need rebounders. And that is Conchar's calling card. I think it's fair to look at this game and be like, we're this shorthanded and Conchar and Xavier Tillman are getting DNPs. I think it's fair to wonder, like, are there trades imminent? Do we have something lined up? Like, Tillman has had a rough stretch of games, but Tillman is a guy the team has gone to to start playoff games in consecutive seasons. And he's not, not even getting in the game. Now, the Tillman absence in this game makes a little bit more sense or it's a little bit more excusable to me because they cranked up the Santiel Dama minutes and they cranked up the Bismack Biombo minutes. In the loss to the Rockets on Wednesday, where you got destroyed on the boards, they went with, like, Jaron as the only big lineups. They went with Biombo as the only big lineups. And you're like, why are we doing this with the players we have available? At the very least, like, Tillman is competent at a lot of things. He can... Probably rebound better than Laravia. He can defend better than most of our players, frankly. He's a good defender. But in the game on Friday night, they actually staggered Biombo and Jaron and Aldama's minutes. So two of those guys would be on the court basically the whole game. So Tillman's absence, I guess, is a little more acceptable. If you've circled, these are the three bigs we're going to play in Aldama, Jaron, and Biombo. Conchar's absence, maybe you just think all things being equal. Let's play a guy we're probably not going to trade immediately. And if they do think they might trade Conchar soon, all right, tiebreaker goes to LaRavia, who had two points and zero rebounds in his 10 minutes. Like Jaron and Desmond, once again, did enough. They did not have as spectacularly As good games as they've had in previous games, Jaron finally uh, snapped his streak of games making 50% or better of his field goal attempts. Jaron had 22 points. It took him 23 field goal attempts to get there. Desmond Bain scored 28 points. Desmond Bain had a career-high 13 rebounds. Uh, By the way, Desmond Bain's career-high 13 rebounds, he now has a higher regular season career-high in rebounds than Jaron Jackson Jr. does. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s regular season career high for rebounds is 12. If I were Desmond Bain, I would make fun of Jaron Jackson Jr. for this. But the problem, once again, was the supporting cast, and the problem was the quality of shots that Bain and Jaron were getting. There were no easy buckets. In the second half, where the Grizzlies only managed to score 41 points against the Rockets, and the Rockets are a good defensive team. Their free agent acquisitions of signing Dylan Brooks, of signing Fred Van Vliet, of hiring Ime Udoka, have worked. They've 100% worked so far. This was one of the worst teams in the NBA last year, and now not only are they eight games, virtually nine games ahead of the Grizzlies in the standings, but they have a good defense. And a lot of that you would highlight is, your coaching hire, the additions of Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. The Rockets were doing a great job guarding the Grizzlies, and it, I think, is a little bit easier to guard the Grizzlies when you have guys who can't shoot on the court with Jaron and Desmond. The Grizzlies got no fast break points in this game. Well, they got four. I don't want to exaggerate too much. They had four fast break points in this game. In the second half, I think they had one easy shot as a team. Bismack Biombo got a dunk. I can't remember who did the penetration and and dumped it off to him. There was a Bismack Biombo dunk. Basically, every other shot, I went back and rewatched all the field goal attempts from the second half. They're all hard. It's Jaron Jackson Jr. with three or four guys around him. It's Desmond Bain hitting contested jumpers. Guys draped all over him. When Derrick Rose went out, the one guy on the team outside of Jaron and Desmond who could get past his man, basically, you had all these lineups where it's like, no one's guarding Zaire. No one cares if they help off of Roddy. No one cares if they help off of Vince Williams Jr. No one's guarding Jacob Gilliard. I mean, the shooting numbers are just horrible for these guys. And it's been a season-long thing. As you know, the Grizzlies, the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA. And as much as I want to kind of blame, like, why is Zaire playing? Why is LaRavia playing? They First of all, they didn't want to play Zaire. I maintain that. They didn't play Zaire until Derrick Rose went out with injury. That goes back to front office mistakes. I mean, the Derrick Rose signing, when healthy, he's been all right. Not good. Remember... They did not have to make a minimum signing. They had resources to sign players making more than minimum. They were full mid-level exception. They had an empty roster spot. They chose their best usage of that roster spot, the best usage of their financial resources, was to bring in Derrick Rose, a guy who's very, very old and extremely injury-prone. Most people have said, even though it's been publicly denied, he's brought in to be a mentor for Ja Morant. Has that part worked? I don't know. How do we judge that? Ja Morant hasn't been resuspended. So that it does that mean mission accomplished? But as far as Derrick Rose's contributions to winning? No. He's helped us win a few games. He's been unavailable for a bunch of games. I mean, I said on this podcast many times in the 25 games John Morant's out, what happens when Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart are both unavailable because both of those guys miss lots of games? This is what happens. You lose. Maybe the ire, I feel like more of the ire of, of the performance of the players should be focused at David Roddy. I don't want to pick too much on everybody, but like I feel like David Roddy gets a pass for whatever reason. He seems super likable. But David Roddy is not very good. And the thing David Roddy is good at is basically it's scoring at the rim. And he's good. He's quite good at it. He uses his broad shoulders, his unique, impressive physical frame to drive past guys, to get layups, to get dunks in the paint. He's shooting 70% at the rim, which is very, very good. He shot 70% at the rim last year, which is very, very good. The problem is, Everywhere else, he's terrible at shooting. The numbers are striking. I mean, David Roddy in this game, he uh, came off the bench. I mean, that was a huge huge thing for me. They finally started Vince Williams Jr. I mean, it's been as clear as day, plain as day to me, Vince Williams Jr. is the best player we have on the wing. Like, it's not close. That guy's a basketball player. That guy's a rotation-level NBA player. He can help you. It's night and day when you compare him against your Zaires and even, like, your Conchars and your Roddies. But the Roddy's shooting numbers, he's not a shooter. His shooting numbers are all theoretical, or the idea of him being a shooter is totally theoretical. He hasn't made three-pointers in the NBA. He hasn't made three-pointers in Summer League. He doesn't make three-pointers. He shot a good percentage on corner threes this year. Okay, that's one spot. Everywhere else has been bad, but not just three-pointers. He doesn't make two-pointers if he's not right in front of the rim. He's shooting 29% on, yes, on three-pointers, but also on all two-pointers that are further than three feet from the rim. David Roddy, on the season right now, 15 for 52 on two-pointers, outside of three feet away from the basket. That's 28.8%. Then you throw in the 29% from three, it's just 29% everywhere, but within three feet of the basket. Last season, he was a little bit better. He was 35% on two-pointers that weren't within three feet of the basket. And, of course, last year, he shot 30.6% on threes. So maybe when Ja Morant comes back and defenses... Uh, focus more of their attention on jaw. He's going to get better looks and he's going to raise those percentages from horrible to just very, very bad. David Roddy's not a great defender, not a good rebounder, and he's a terrible shooter. And that's like the good uh, option of the young wings so far. Those air quotes, the pause was my air quotes. Like, Roddy shouldn't be starting games for a team. Of course, he's not our first choice. We know everyone's hurt. Luke Kennard's hurt for forever. Marcus Smart, it's been now coming up on five weeks. It's been five weeks. He's still out on the injury report. Hasn't cracked doubtful yet. But, like, Roddy's not good. Zaire's not good. Jake Laravia's not good. John Contra's getting DMPs. And you're dealing with this... um, pretty awful situation of finding yourself in a nightmare start to the season. Another part of the bad start to the season and something that really was a big issue in this game was free throw discrepancy and fouling. And this was not a situation of like, we're getting a bad whistle. This has been consistent. The Grizzlies foul a lot. Jake Laravia managed to foul four times in his 10 minutes. This team all year has fouled a lot. This team all year does not get to the free throw line. And one of the big reasons why you lose this game, why you blow this lead, is you're sort of gifting the Rockets free points at the line. The Rockets made 28 free throws. They were 28 out of 32, so elite free throw shooting numbers. They had 20 free throw makes in just the second half. The Grizzlies had five free throws in the second half. So you're not getting to the line. You're putting your opponent on the line. And then you're a bad three-point shooting team. I mean, one reason you're not getting to the line, you're taking 43-pointers. They took 43s, made 11, scored 96 points. And some of it, again... It's not surprising that we're struggling to score. It's not surprising that things bogged down in the third quarter. Just look at the players that we had to play. If you have a lineup with Jacob Gilliard, David Roddy, Zaire Williams, Aldama, and Jaron, I mean, Gilliard and Zaire and Roddy, those guys aren't scorers. Aldama, like, again, they played him more this game. I was happy to see they played him a little bit more. He had 11 points. He actually made two three-pointers. I mean, they went with they went with Gilliard over Zaire, basically. But that goes back to the, the roster question. Gilliard had his moment where the Grizzlies started playing him. They, they won that game where he was starter. We thought, all right, we seen need a guy who could dribble, who could spread it around. No, it's, it's worn off. And that's another kind of roster question. Like you knew, there's no John Morant. We need a point guard, probably. Uh, Marcus Smart has an injury history. Derrick Rose has a massive injury history. We can't even depend on him, you know, to contribute when healthy. That's more of a question mark. He has contributed when healthy. You you missed him horribly when he went out of the game. But like they've chose to stick with Gilliard this whole time, as opposed to trying to find someone better who could help you and who could play point guard. But Gilliard is just a non-entity on offense. And so if you're playing basically three non-scores, if you're playing like Roddy and Zaire, minutes have basically always been terrible. The Grizzlies, historically, this year and last year, when Roddy and Zaire on the court, not only are they not good at offense, they get destroyed on rebounding. And so this one was, for me watching it in the second half, I'm just like, can we please somehow hang on? I had very little hope. When we were up 10 at the start of the third quarter, and it's like, all right, there's no Derrick Rose, What we got Zaire out there, this is not going to work. And then you just saw... I feel like you saw the shots we were making, and you're like, that's not sustainable. That these shots keep going in? There's no way it's going to be sustainable. And eventually, you know, the Rockets had a little bit of a run. Um, Jaron had to sit down with foul trouble. Did he foul out? No, he did not. Um, But, like... You don't have enough on the rest of the roster, and my initial anger—I like to reemphasize this—my initial anger that like Laravia and Zaire were playing and just how horrible they've been all year. Um, they, as a coaching staff, I, they didn't want to do it. They were playing their guys heavy minutes. Like Bain played forty minutes. That's what. That's what more can you ask for? They played Biombo thirty-three minutes. Biombo finally had like a pretty decent game was very effective more so in the first half Uh, he had 10 points for the game had nine rebounds like Biombo played 33 minutes aldama got those numbers back up 26 and a half minutes they played vince williams jr 30 minutes and they started him literally it's everything i could have asked for there's just not enough on this roster there's not enough on the roster vince by the way vince williams had an incredible first quarter um he was very active. He helped them jump out to that was 29 to 12 lead. Uh, Vince keeps making three pointers. Now, as excited as I am about Vince Williams Jr. as much as I strongly believe he's the best option to start until the whole team is healthy. And even once the whole team is healthy, and you have Marcus Smart there, I assume Vince is going to get all or most of the minutes most of the minutes for the wing players among your Conchars, your Zayers, your Laravias, and Vince. Vince gets them all. Give them all to Vince. Um, I don't particularly think that his shooting numbers are sustainable. I don't have any facts for why. I don't think he can keep shooting this well, other than uh, it feels too good to be true. That's where I'm at right now. Since that Dallas game, where he really broke onto the scene that when on Friday night, uh, it was the last time we had a Grizzlies watch party, by the way, um, since the Dallas game on December 1st, Vince is shooting 46% from three. He has made two or more threes in each of the last three games. I kind of think that's unsustainable only because again, feels too good to be true. He's been so good. He did have, I mean, he had some mistakes. I'm not gonna say he's like a a perfect player. I think he's a very erratic basketball player. He's a little bit turnover prone. The final Dylan Brooks steal was off of a Vince Williams Jr. inbounds pass. I mean, it was a tough place to inbounds it. The the coffin corner, as they call it, but like that was a turnover by Vince. Vince passed up an open look. I don't know if it was the right play. Final two minutes. Vince Williams has a wide open look on the wing. He has not shot the ball great from the wing this year, and he thought maybe that the defender, Shingu, would probably commit to him, and then he could leave it for a wide-open Roddy in the corner. He threw it to Roddy in the corner. Roddy still had an open look, but it wasn't maybe as clean as he thought it was going to be. So, like, you can tell tell me that Vince made the wrong play there. I I believe you. My uh, opinion is he's the best we have. Whether or not he's good... That is still a question mark that remains to be seen, but you can be nothing but, I think, encouraged uh, by his play so far. Um, He had eight rebounds again. The guy rebounds. Been saying this for months. He's a basketball magnet. So he had eight rebounds and 11 points, made three three three-pointers, also had three assists, got two blocks and a steal. I mean, that's spectacular stuff from a guy on a two-way contract who I think has really you know earned his minutes. I mean, that is the silver lining. Like what silver linings are there from the horrible opening to the season? Um, actually, I'll get to that uh, right after this short break. Grizzlies fans in the Nashville area, don't miss Ja Morant's first game on Tuesday, December 19th. It's at 6.30 p.m. and the best way to watch it is with other Grizzlies fans at Noble's Beer Hall in Nashville. Join me and other members of Grizzlies Nation as we watch the Memphis Grizzlies take on the New Orleans Pelicans and we welcome back Ja Morant. I will be giving away Grizzlies prizes. I have some... Holiday-themed prizes, some Grizzlies wrapping paper. We have some Grizzlies scarves. We have some signed Grizzlies photos that are going to be given away to people who show up. So be at Noble's Beer Hall. It's an early tip this Tuesday, December 19th, 6.30 p.m. See you there. All right. This season has been a disaster, unmitigated disaster. What silver linings are there? I would say one silver lining is we've discovered that Vince Williams Jr. is someone that I think we can depend on in the rotation. When fully healthy, Vince Williams Jr. right now projects to be a rotation caliber guy that can be that connective piece on a good team. I think he might be the sort of guy who amplifies other good players. He might look even better when there are better players on the court with him. So we found Vince Williams Jr. Whether or not they work out some kind of full contract for him this year, they're gonna try to get him, I assume, to get him on that contract that's called the Hinky special named after Sam Hinkey, where you sign him to like four years at the minimum where the first two are guaranteed and then the next two are not. This is what Kenneth Lofton Jr. signed. By the way, Kenneth Lofton Jr., by all reports, is going to be waived. Uh, we've Everyone uh, has just assumed this was going to be the case, that the writing was on the wall for that. But that's the same kind of contract. They're probably going to try to get Vince Williams Jr. to sign. Would Vince Williams Jr. sign it to lock in a few years of security? I Honestly, I don't know. He might feel like let's take this to restricted free agency. I can get more than this. I can get more than like a little cheap minimum deal. I mean, again, it's, it's very small sample size of Vince being an impactful NBA player, but he's putting together a really nice reel over the last few weeks. But a silver lining for the Grizzlies. Vince Williams Jr. got the chance. Maybe he would not have gotten this chance if Marcus Smart is healthy, if Luke Kennard is healthy. Maybe Vince would have never gotten the opportunity to show the coaching staff And to show us what he can do. Another silver lining, which I'm now grasping at straws. Like, is this a silver lining? People are saying this is a silver lining. I'm not sure I believe it. But, okay. Uh, The idea of clarity. It gives you clarity. And what clarity were you talking about? The clarity that the guys you have are not good enough. It gives you clarity that Zaire Williams is no good. That David Roddy, not good enough. John Conchard, not good enough. Jake LaRavia, not good enough. It gives you clarity. Uh, Kenneth Hoffman Jr., throw him in there. Not good enough. It gives you clarity that, hey, you thought these guys could be the 7 through 12 guys on a team that advances in the postseason. Now, nah, that's false. That's big-time false. These guys are not good enough. I mean, maybe put Xavier Tillman in there. I don't know. I mean, Xavier Tillman, free agent to be, and they're showing no interest of playing him. If you would have asked basically anybody like a month ago, who's the better NBA player, Bismack, Biombo, or Xavier Tillman, I feel like it would have been like 80 20 people saying, uh, Tillman, 80 20. You know, like most people would have said Tillman. Now you have Grizzlies fans who are like, oh, yeah, Biyombo's better. I don't think Biombo's better. He's playing better right now. Um, the last few times we've seen Tillman come in, he's been rough, but. Tillman, it's a big question mark for me. What's going on? Why isn't he playing? And when he plays, why has he been so bad? But uh, silver linings. We found Vince Williams Jr. Uh, we have clarity that we know these guys are not uh, long-term keepers, probably. I mean, there's, their NBA careers are not written. Zaire could still become a useful NBA player. Of course, Roddy might. He's he's close. Roddy's close. If he's my 10th man, I'm not that angry. I'm fine with it. Um. Conchar might find his role again on another team. But we've learned that those guys are not the answer, really. You're going to need more if you want to compete at the highest levels. The other silver lining, it's not, again, I don't know if it's a silver lining or not. It's the, um, we're going to get a pretty good draft pick next year. It's the, maybe the gap year is the better long-term play for the Memphis Grizzlies. They could still finish 500. They could, you know, sneak into the play-in. I think the odds of making the playoffs, they're remote. But even if you make the play-in and you make the playoffs, you're still going to probably pick like 13th or 14th, but I think it's more likely uh, the, the Christians have like the 10th pick in the draft. Uh, maybe you have some PTSD overtaking Zari Williams for the 10th pick. But another silver lining is uh, the gap year approach where, all right, we're going to end up with a pretty decent pick long-term. Because Ja and Jaron and Desmond are very, very good and very, very young still, that is a silver lining. Another silver lining, honestly, is that Desmond Bain and Jaron have stepped up. Yeah, we're not winning. And I think you you need to take all these stats, all the good stats, all the scoring stats of Jaron with a grain of salt because, like, hey, nobody else can score on the team. He's going to score 40 because everybody else is stinky. And NBA teams, you're going to score 80, 90 no matter what. Somebody has to get the points. So I do take Jaron's impressive scoring numbers with a little bit of like, I don't know, a wary eye. But they've shown at least that I think they can handle a pretty heavy load. So once Ja comes back, it'll all look great. And now, finally, to Ja Morant, um, his media availability on Friday, for me, nothing. Nothing was said. It was a whole lot of nothing. He said, it's been horrible watching the team. I agree with you, Ja. Um, I think he meant it a different way. Um, he said he feels guilt about how poorly the season has gone for the Grizzlies because of you know him not being there. He acknowledged that his words are meaningless. He just has to prove it to people that he can stay out of trouble. He did not express any form of regret or guilt about his actions, which is fine, I guess. He doesn't have to do that um, for me or for anyone else. He just kind of said, you know, it's been a process. And... Uh, You know, he didn't go into great detail about what he's been up to. He didn't go into great detail about what Adam Silver had to say to him. He's just said he's excited to be back, and he's excited to get back and play in front of the fans. And that's what we're all hoping for. Um, The Grizzlies have this game on Monday night at the Thunder. That is not a game I'm looking forward to or very optimistic about. The Thunder are really, really good, and I imagine the Grizzlies are going to be so focused on the pelicans game the next night it might be kind of ugly maybe not maybe the team will come out and surprise us and play well on monday night but then the second out of a back-to-back you have um the game where ja Morant makes his debut against the new orleans pelicans that's a tough game too the pelicans are pretty good uh they're playing well you get another one of those ja Morant, zion williamson matchups uh it's a national tv game early tip 6 30 p.m Uh, We're having watch parties, I believe, in Memphis, and definitely I'm hosting one in Nashville. Come to Noble's Beer Hall on Tuesday night for Jaw's first game. And I don't think the Grizzlies will be favored, and maybe Jaw will be rusty. I mean, we all have dreams of him coming out, like being shot out of a cannon. If you remember, his first games of the season, the last two seasons, have been amazing. So maybe he can still do that it might be a lot harder when everybody else already has 25 games under their belt um, for jaw to perform at that level. But I guess the season starts then. And then we start thinking about, all right, how good can this team be? Um, another question, I guess for the Monday night game against the thunder, it's like, all right, Derek Rose, you know, he went out with injury and how many games is Derek Rose going to miss now? And like, I don't know. Is it another Gilliard game? On, on Monday night? Like, how do they run the rotation in that one as they face a very good Thunder team? And then once Ja comes back, um, Marcus Smart's been doing, apparently, I think he's been doing five on five work this weekend. So maybe, you know, next week will also give us Marcus Smart. It's supposed to. That was always the schedule. It was three to five weeks. The five weeks are going to be up um, next week. So Ja Morant and Marcus Smart should join the team they should uh make everything look a lot better maybe we get to see the vision of what the they dreamed about this offseason when they made the Marcus smart acquisition so far it's been an unmitigated disaster not just a season but the Marcus smart transaction i mean you look at the pick that was sent in that one of the picks that was sent was that golden state warriors 2024 top four protected pick that pick is going to be amazing looks like I mean, that pick is going to be right around where the Grizzlies end up this year. Like, the Warriors could very easily miss the playoffs this season. And, you know, you you traded for Marcus Smart, and your thought was, all right, he'll definitely help, you know, for a while while John Morant's out. Well, guess what? I mean, he hasn't. Marcus Smart's only been available for two wins so far. And, um, yeah, so, so far, that deal has been regrettable. And it's not that... The deal was made for the first 25 games. The deal was made to help the Grizzlies win playoff series. Well, again, whoops. It seems unlikely the Grizzlies even get to a playoff series in this year one of the deal. So, like, if you could undo that deal, you, I think, 100% would. You just want those picks back you would be better off this year right now with Tyus Jones. You could trade Tyus Jones once John Rankin gets back. But again, that's water under the bridge. You couldn't have known all that stuff when you made the deal. Well, anyways, I think that's it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, Apologies to everyone who had their hearts ripped out uh, on Friday. That sensation was bizarre. Watching Dylan Brooks do all that, Like, I was happy for Dylan Brooks. Happy for him. The way it ended so terribly. His playoffs were so awful. And I I felt bad for him in the playoffs. Like, it hurt our team. It hurt me as a fan. So I was happy that Dylan got this. I feel, obviously, sad and upset it came against my team. But that was something. I uh, actually reached out to Rob Fisher, because on the postgame show, I thought Rob looked sick. I was like, oh no, I think Rob's really broken up about this. Rob let me know that he uh, apparently was trying to just hold back a cough. He didn't have a a, a mute button on the uh, post-game show so he's trying to hold back a cough. So he wasn't about to vomit. He was just um, again, as a professional, didn't want to cough on air. But yeah, that was a tough game. Uh, We've gone through it, guys. We've made it through 24 of the 25 games of Job Rant Suspension. Uh, hopefully, we're going to come out the other side uh, no worse for wear. I feel very much worse for wear. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Uh, join me there. Join our Slack channel where we talk about uh, grisly stuff and um, you get access to bonus content if you join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Breakfast. If you're interested in underdog fantasy, use that promo code FBBF, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great Monday. Go Grizz!
0: now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>